Distress Frequency, Horror, Sci-Fi, and Adventure from Columbus, Ohio. Tonight we take you down to the Stygian Tombs with a piece by H.P. Lovecraft, The Statement of Randolph Carter. Your stars for this evening are Micah Jenkins as the titular Randolph Carter, alongside Alicia Yates as the occult adventurer Harley Warren. So, yeah, we gender-flipped that character, but I don't think old Howard Phillip would mind. A little business before we get to our feature presentation. Please contact us at our website, distressedfrequency.com, or on Twitter at distressfreak, that's distress, F-R-E-Q. If you like what we're doing, please take a moment to rate, share, and subscribe. Okay, it's time for the show. A dazed man sits in a cramped police cell. He's been under intense questioning for several hours, but he insists he has nothing more to tell. This is his story. We bring you the statement of Randolph Carter. I repeat to you, gentlemen, that your inquisition is fruitless. Detain me here forever, if you will. Execute me if you must have a victim to satisfy the illusion that you call justice. But I can say no more than I have said already. Everything that I can remember, I have told with perfect candor. If anything remains vague, it is only because of the dark cloud which has come over my mind. That cloud and the nebulous nature of the horrors which have brought upon me. Again, I say... I do not know what has become of Harley Warren, although I think, um, almost hope, that she is in a peaceful oblivion. It is true that I have for five years been her closest friend and assisted her in her terrible researches into the unknown. I will not deny that this witness of yours may have seen us walking together, as he says, on the Gainesfield Pike, walking toward Big Cypress Swamp at half past eleven on that awful night. I can even affirm that we bore electric lanterns, spades, and a curious coil of wire with attached instruments, for these things all played a part in the single hideous scene which remained burned into my shaken recollection. But of what followed? And the reason I was found alone and dazed on the edge of the swamp the next morning? I must insist that I know nothing other than what I have told you over and over again. And why Harley Warren did not return? Only she or her shade, or some other nameless thing I cannot describe, can say for certain. As I have said before, the weird studies of Harley Warren were well known to me, and to some extent shared by me. I have read what I can from her vast collection of strange, rare books, but most of them are in languages I cannot understand. Most are in Arabic. But the fiend-inspired book which brought on the end... The book which she carried into her pocket out of the world was written in characters like which I have never seen elsewhere. Warren would never tell me just what was in that book. As to the natures of our studies, must I say again that I am to no longer retain full comprehension? It seems to me rather merciful that I do not, for they were terrible studies, which I pursued more through reluctant fascination than through actual inclination. Warren always dominated me, and sometimes I feared her. I remember how I shuddered when she talked so incessantly of her theory why certain corpses never decay, but rest firm and fat in their tombs for a thousand years. But I do not fear her now, for I suspect that she has known horrors beyond my ken. Now I fear for her. Your witness says he saw us at half past eleven on the Gainesville Pike headed for the Big Cypress Swamp. This is probably true. I have no distinct memory of it. The picture seared into my soul is one of one scene only. The place was an ancient cemetery, so ancient that I trembled at the signs of immemorial years. 
It was in a deep, damp hollow, overgrown with rank grass, moss, and curious creeping weeds, and filled with a vague stench with which my idle fancy associated with rotting stone. On every hand were the signs of neglect and decrepitude, and I seemed haunted by the notion that Warren and I were the first living creatures to invade a lethal silence of centuries. A waning crescent mood peered through the vapors that seemed to emanate from the catacombs, and by its feeble, wavering beams I could distinguish a repellent array of antique slabs, urns, and mausolean facades, all crumbling, moss-grown and moisture-stained, and partly concealed by the gross luxuriance of unhealthy vegetation. My first vivid impression of my own presence in this terrible necropolis is this. Warren and I paused before a certain half-obliterated sepulchre. I now observed that I had with me an electric lantern and two spades, while my companion was supplied by a similar lantern and a portable telephone outfit. Warren spoke. Well then, Carter, let's get to work. After uncovering the entire surface of the tomb, which consisted of three immense granite slabs, we stepped back some distance to survey the charnel scene, and Warren appeared to make some mental calculations. Then she returned to the sepulchre, and using her spade as a lever, sought to pry up the slab lying nearest to its stony ruin. Finally, our combined strength loosened the stone, which we raised and tipped to one side. The removal of the slab revealed a black hole from which rushed a miasma of gases so nauseating that we started back in horror. After a moment, however, we approached the pit again and found the exhalations less unbearable. Our lanterns disclosed the top of a flight of stone steps, dripping with some detestable ichor of the inner earth and bordered by moist walls encrusted with slime. I'm sorry I have to ask you to stay on the surface but it would be a crime to let anyone with your frail nerves go down there. You can't imagine, even from what you have read and from what I've told you, the things that I shall have to see and do. It's fiendish work, Carter, and I doubt if any man with ironclad sensibilities could ever see it through and come up alive and sane. I don't wish to offend you, and heaven knows I'd be glad enough to have you with me, but the responsibility is all mine, and I couldn't drag a bundle of nerves like you down to probable death or madness. I tell you, you can't imagine what the thing is really like, but I promise to keep you informed over the telephone of every move. You see, I've brought enough wire here to reach to the center of the earth and back. Then she shook my hand, shouldered the coil of wire, and disappeared within that indescribable ossuary. For a moment, I kept sight of the glow of her lantern and heard the rustle of the wire as she laid it down after her, but the glow soon disappeared abruptly, as if she'd gone around a turn in the stone staircase. The sound died away almost as quickly. I was alone yet bound to the unknown depths by the telephone wire. Those magic strands lay green beneath the struggling beams of that waning crescent moon. In the lone silence of that deserted city of the dead, my mind conceived the most ghastly fantasies and illusions, and the grotesque shrines and monoliths seemed to assume a hideous personality, a half-sentience, Amorphous shadows seemed to lurk in the darker recesses of the weed-choked hollow and to flit 
as in some blasphemous ceremonial procession past the portals of the moldering tombs in the hillside, shadows which could have not been cast by that pallid, peering crescent moon. I constantly consulted my watch by the light of the electric lantern and listened with feverish anxiety at the telephone, but for more than one quarter of an hour I heard nothing. Then a faint clicking came from the instrument, and I called down to my friend in a tense voice. God, if you could see what I'm seeing. Carter, it's terrible. Monstrous. Unbelievable. What is it, Warren? What is it? I can't tell you, Carter. It's too utterly beyond thought. I dare not tell you. No man could know it and live. Great God, I've never dreamed of this. Warren, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Carter, for the love of God, put the slab back and get out of this if you can. Quick, leave everything else and make for the outside. It's your only chance. Do as I say and don't ask me to explain. Around me were the tombs and the darkness and the shadows. Below me, some peril beyond the radius of human imagination. But my friend was in greater danger than I. And Beat it! For God's sake, put back this slab and beat it, Carter! Something in the boyish slang of my companion unleashed my faculties. I formed and shouted a resolution. Warren! Brace up! I'm coming down! Don't! You can't understand. It's too late. And my own fault. Put back the slab and run. There's nothing you or anyone can do now. Quick! Before it's too late. Warren! Hold tight, old man. I'm coming down. Carter, hurry. It's no use. You must go. Better one than two. The slab. Nearly over now. Don't make it harder. Cover up those damn steps and run for your life. You're losing time. So long, Carter. I won't see you again. Curse these hellish things. Legions. My God. Beat it. Beat it. Beat it. Warren. Warren, answer me. Are you there? Warren, are you there? And in answer, I heard the thing which has brought this cloud over my mind. I do not try, gentlemen, to account for that thing, that voice. What shall I say? It was the end of my experience and the end of my story. I heard it and knew no more. You fool. Warren is dead. (laughs) You've been listening to The Statement of Randolph Carter, starring Micah Jenkins as Randolph Carter and Alicia Yates as the doomed Harley Warren. I'd also like to single out Micah for special commendation for navigating the feeble wavering beams and mausolean facades of this piece. When we started this show, this was one of the pieces I really wanted to include. The statement of Randolph Carter is really well suited for the medium, on account of so much of it takes place on the telephone. It was also the very first piece we recorded. It's taken us a while to get it produced and released, but I hope you like it. Uh, This piece included several sound effects from freesound.org, except for the sound of the slab. That's the toilet in my basement. Uh, Anyway, freesound files are gratefully acknowledged in the show notes page for this episode at distressedfrequency.com. Hey, do you like Lovecraft? Eh, who doesn't? Uh, One of our producers, Jared Brennan, wrote a piece for the Lovecraft zine a few years ago that was also produced for audio. We'll stick a link for that also on the show notes page. Uh, One last time before we go, please feel free to contact us at distressfrequency.com or on Twitter at distressfreq, that's distress, F-R-E-Q. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe. Join us next time when two small-time criminals attempt to rob a storage unit, but unfortunately... It's the wrong unit.